When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Part of the murderer's row of ball talk. Here's ESPN senior columnist and podcaster Buster Olney on the ride with Royce. Buster, what is going on? Are you home, sir? Uh, I am not at home. I'm actually on vacation in Lake George, New York. Uh, but I'm working while I'm on vacation, and so uh, happy to talk with you. How is the steam of uh, summer on Lake George, New York? Is it very pleasant up there? It's incredible. Uh, the water temperature has been 80 to 82 <laughs> degrees in the time we're here, and so it's made swimming super nice. Uh, had a great time jumping off a bunch of rocks, that's for sure. Is that all Yankee territory, or is there some Red Sox territory up there, too? Is no, all... it's Red Sox territory. Look, where we are, it's right across uh, right across the, from Lake Champlain across okay. Vermont, where I grew up, and as you know, that's mostly Red Sox territory, but yeah, Red Sox, Yankees, and then you have weird outliers like me growing up as a Dodger fan. Well, uh, this Red Sox thing has gotten ridiculous. When you uh, win a game in Philadelphia on solo home runs by Brock Holt and uh, Sandy Leone when the rest of your lineup doesn't produce as normal, that's amazing. It really is. Uh, and, and look, they're putting themselves, they're 51 games <laughs> over 500 uh, as of this moment. They could go under 500 for the rest of the season and still set a franchise record for victories in a year. What is the record? The record? I'm sorry. When is the record? 105. It's 105, and if they they can go 20 and 21 and still break that record, is it's that tells it, you how incredible it's been? Was that, that 105 in a in a 154 uh, four game season or 162? That was uh, in the early in the early aughts, I believe. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, they are amazing. You you uh, sent me a little note about J T Martinez. This has got to be. One of the great improvements in a hitter in baseball history. What in who did it for him? How did this happen? This... Well, failure first of all. Yes, uh, you know he gets released by the Houston Astros, and he had believed he started. To, he was at the forefront of this launch angle uh, generation, but it actually worked for him, and and he really worked and focused on making alterations with his swing. And he told the Astros as that spring was going on, "Look, I feel it's like right around the corner." But they cut him anyway. He goes to Detroit. Uh, he absolutely takes off from that point forward. And the thing that's really uh, become established is not only is he a great hitter, uh, you know, his production this year, he has a chance, it looks like, to win the Triple Crown in the American League, but also he's kind of like the American League version of Joey Votto in that his understanding of hitting is so great that he also has an impact on his teammates. And, you know, he talked Diamondbacks people about what he left behind there from his two months there and how so many of the players like A.J. Pollock still go through the same routines that he did. 
And now Alex Cora talks about how all the other Red Sox players follow him around like little ducklings uh, as they go through the process. He's a guy who makes an impact beyond his own production. Hey, Buster, who who was his guy that winter? I mean, was there somebody? Somebody's got to help you with those swing changes. Was there yes. somebody who it got to? It was a hitting coach who, who, right now, his name escapes me, but he works in the Diamondback. Believe it or not, he works with the Diamondbacks organization. Uh, they got to know the Diamondbacks got to know him through the the two months with JD last year, and he was hired as sort of a hitting consultant. And it was put into his contract that uh, he's going to work with the Diamondbacks, but he's allowed. He was great. JD was grandfathered in, so even as JT struggles. Uh, during the course of this year, and they got an upcoming series against the Diamondbacks. You can still work with them. He's uh, uh, he's so good on a ball away; it's uh, frightening. Yeah, he he's remarkable. The way he uses the whole field, the way that he thinks about hitting too. Um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with him, and as I say, it kind of reminds you of Otto and his understanding of what he's trying to do. Uh, you know, his ability to take the ball the other way. I am going to be curious, though, in the postseason because as he gets more uh, acclaim, as he piles up some awards, if opposing pitchers will say, you know what, when you look at his numbers, the one thing he doesn't do is draw walks. Yeah. And maybe we'll just see if he'll, can, he'll chase balls out of the strike zone. That approach hasn't been taken. And I, I asked a uh, member of the Red Sox organization, hey, what, uh, what do you think is going to happen if they start giving the Barry Bonds treatment and they just don't throw strikes to him, and the answer I got back was, we hope that never happens. Uh, the only thing on the Votto comparison is, what they see? He's got one homer in 40 games or something like that. Oh, man. Yeah, and he's been dinged up, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that comparison is more about uh, Votto and his understanding <laughs> yes. hitting as opposed to what he's doing the last 40 yeah. games. you got a good club when you're going to have a Triple Crown winner who isn't your best player. <laughs> how, how incredible is that? that yeah, you, you're right that J.D. Martinez could win the Triple Crown and he might not be the American League MVP. If I were to vote today, I don't know where you stand on this, but if I were to vote today, I'd have Mookie Betts yes. at number one. I would have Jose Ramirez of the Indians at number two. Uh, with Mike Trout being out of games, of course, he had the family tragedy that we learned about earlier today. He might miss some more time. So it might turn out to be a four-man race, two Indians in Lindor and Ramirez versus two Red Sox in Betts and J.D. Mar- uh, Martinez. It'll be interesting to see how those guys split the vote. You know, it's interesting about baseball. We always kind of, we, we see a guy when he's uh, 23 or 4, and it, it, this is what he's going to be, we always kind of think. And all, most of the time, that's what he turns out to be. But you got two guys there, yeah, Martinez and Ramirez, you mentioned. And, you know, okay, this Ramirez, he might be a good slap-hitting uh, middle infielder backup for us. And uh, now he's got 36 home runs. And a hundred percent, and and the people who were saying those words that you just talked about the projections form, those were people in their own organization. Like when he got mm. called up to the big leagues, I'm like, how is he? And like, well, you know, he, he might do some things. But the, I think the underrated part of Jose Ramirez is how competitive he is. Oh yeah, and you see that in each of his at bat uh, battles. I remember a, a former coach with the Detroit Tigers told me last year, this guy's the most competitive cuss in baseball. Like the way he goes through each uh, each plate appearance, he hates giving up anything. We always talk about Francisco Lindor and how he plays with a smile. JD, uh, Jose Ramirez is the complete opposite. Like he always looks angry at himself. Like I can't believe I didn't <laughs> hit that pitch for a home run. 
Uh, the other night, I just looked at box score a couple days ago. Lindor, Lindor, a healthy Brantley and Ramirez, uh, they only had eight hits and scored six runs and hit one home run. I mean, the top of that order, incredible. And that's why I, I feel like Lindor's season is uh, being really overlooked because we're talking so much about you know the Trouts and J.D. Martinez and, and Mookie and, and Jose Ramirez. I looked at it the other day. Uh, Lindor's on a pace this year to score 140 runs. He just went over 100 runs. He's going to drive in about 100 runs. He's going to have 95 extra base hits, okay? Oh, and by the way, he's also probably the best overall shortstop in baseball. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> like, fantastic. I mean, he, he's going to be years, worth... That guy would be the runaway choice for the MVP with the Indians uh, running away with the American League Central. But, uh, you know, to your point, they have so much depth there. The American League, uh, you know, has so much depth with these great players. I still think the Indians are setting up to be a heck of a sleeper for October because of those guys, because of the depth of their rotation. And, my goodness, if Oakland runs down Houston for that last, for the American League West, you could have a one-game playoff between the Yankees and the Astros. The winner of that plays the Red Sox. And the Indians are sitting on the side (laughs) saying, you know what, Uh, we're in good shape. Hey, Buster, with all the trouble, you know, the Logan Morrisons of the world, he's just had to hang, hang it up for the rest of the year with a, having hip surgery, hitting 186, and and all these guys with buried numbers uh, you're think, and strikeouts, you're thinking that baseball's got a run-scoring crisis, but there's the runs are being scored again. There's a, there's a lot of runs being scored now. Yeah, and I personally wonder if that's, through the increased reliance on the relief pitchers and, and how you're putting the game more and more often in, in some of your pitchers who are not your best guys. Yeah. And it's, it feels like that, look, I love analytics, and, and everything that these teams do is backed up, generally speaking, by the numbers. But at some point it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to me when you tell all your starting pitchers, look, we're not going to trust you with a ball through two times through, more than two times through the order. And you wind up giving uh, the ball instead to uh, a guy who was in AAA the night before, and he gets beat up. And that's happening more and more and more often. And, you know, the games are now increasingly in the hands of middle relievers versus starting pitchers who, you know, of course, years ago would always be honed to be the best guys on each staff. I think that's having a lot to do with it. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you had a couple of years in Baltimore there as a beat writer. Uh, 49 and a half games out of first. Wow. Uh, I mean, a, a disaster. What? Uh, are, the, are the Angeles uh, boys got the guts to just blow everything up and try to, you know, try to find their own Falvey or somebody? What are they going to do there? Yeah, I think inevitably you're going to see what happened with Baltimore, what happened uh, with the Yankees after George Steinbrenner was uh, moved out of power as he got older. And then first it was Hank, and then Hal eventually stepped in. Uh, and I think that that process took some time because of the um, respect for the, you know, for the father. And I think that that's kind of what's going on in Baltimore now. Uh, Peter Angelos, of course, you know, a lot of success as a lawyer, has owned the Orioles. Uh, he is working less than he has in the past, and more and more decisions, I think, are being made by his sons, by Lou and by John, and I do think they're going to have an overhaul. And I, you know, I mentioned to you, I think, as we got closer to July, that I was hearing from teams that, wow, the Orioles are actually organized this year in their process. They're not as all over the map. They're not as scattered. And the fact that they were focused in, in doing their deals with uh, Machado and Zach Britton I think told you that this is definitely a new era for the Orioles. Is there a rumor out there that our guy Logan Forsythe might be moving? 
I'm starting to rumor right here with you, Royce. <laughs> well, he's uh, Look, he was hitting I mean, 400 a couple. Great. Yeah, he is. He's played really well. Yeah, and we saw with Tampa Bay, he's a good player. So before I came on with you, I called some evaluators with other teams, and I said, "Look, I, I you know, I know the Dodgers believed in his talent, but it might just be that they thought that uh, you know it just didn't work out. Some guys like Sonny Gray in New York, maybe Logan Forsythe in L.A. It's not a great fit, but with Logan playing great." Uh, in Minnesota, I, I do wonder, since I'm presuming that he's cleared waivers given yes. his salary, that uh, some team that could be interested in, a, in an infielder might look at him because this time of year, small sample size means everything. You try to get the guys going well. He's playing great, and the team he makes a lot of sense for, the Cleveland Indians, uh, yeah. who, of course, it's, uh, you know Derek Falvey um, knows their system well from all of his years with them. It wouldn't surprise me if they do something like that because – you know, they, they've sort of lived with Jason Kipnis' defense uh, through time. They're trying different combinations. But, boy, if Log- you get a Logan Forsythe when he's playing well to go along with a Ramirez, with a Lindor, that's a pretty good infield. Uh, Leonis Martin, though, man, alive. That was bad, huh? Really bad. I was hearing from different people last weekend that it was life-threatening. Essentially, Ooh. it was a bacterial infection that was affecting his organs. And when Terry Francona met with reporters the other day, he said in so many words, hey, pray for him. They feel like that his situation is stable now. But, you know, they traded for him before the deadline, anticipating that he was going to be the guy who'd become their, you know, strong defensive center fielder. But when Chris Antonetti spoke with reporters, the head of baseball ops for the Indians, uh, he indicated to them, look, uh, it's going to be weeks rather than days. I don't think they want to come out and say out loud that he's out for the year, but that's what I would expect. A really scary situation. The baseball stuff is very secondary to what he's been dealing with. Puig's an idiot. I agree with the Giants. That uh, that tantrum. <laughs> I mean, it, it was dangerous for the catcher the way he was wang, swinging the bat around after he struck out. I don't blame Huntley for getting up and t- telling him to settle down and <laughs> stop acting like an idiot. I think you and I are on opposite ends in this one. Look, I mean, the one thing it did reaffirm was the Giants hate Puig. Like we, well, the for Giants, damn good reason. <laughs> <laughs> they've had about 15 incidents with him, about half of them with Madison Bumgarner. But in that one, I mean, how many times during a game do you see a hitter not, uh, you know, take a swing at a pitch, a hang and breaking ball, miss it, and then react like, oh, geez, they should have hit that one. That's what Puig did, and then Hundley didn't like whatever expletive he said out loud. Mm-hmm. It stood up, and you could tell from the look on Hundley's face. And look, I think Puig's going to get the, the larger suspension because it looked like he took three, for lack yeah. of you know, open-handed swipes at uh, at Hundley. I think Puig's going to get two games. I think Hundley's going to get one game. But I, I respect the fact that after the game, Hundley kind of threw a smile and said, yeah, stuff happens, and, you know, I did what I did, he did what he did. But I disagree with you on this one. I think uh, you blame Hundley for starting it. Hey, uh, Posey, oof. What, uh, not much going on there. What's uh, He's been banged up. and uh, what, Are they going to have to move him to first, do you think, finally? Uh, they, and they've got a tough decision because, of course, Brandon Belt has been, been great, uh, yeah. you know, their best source of power. Uh, look, uh, it, so much of what Buster's doing early in his career reminded you the trajectory of it, you know, of a Yogi Berra and a Johnny Bench, and I kind of wonder if that's how it's going to finish, too. You remember at the end of Johnny Bench's career, he wasn't catching. He was playing third base for the Cincinnati Reds, and Buster... When he played at Florida State, he was actually a shortstop his first two years. He's a great athlete. I do wonder if the, they're going to start thinking about moving him around more because it's clear 
You know, he's taking a lot of wear and tear on that body, and, and it seems to be affecting his power. I think the first time I saw Yogi play at the Yankee Stadium in 1961, he was playing left field because Ellie Howard was catching. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's back in the days where your corner outfielders were just asked not to run into anybody. <laughs> you know, don't, don't hit my center fielder and, uh, and get some hits. We don't care if you catch the ball or not. So. Yeah, and I think from the Giants' perspective, look, Buster Posey's a legacy player. I think he's got a deal run through 2020. Um, I would not be surprised if he doesn't play much beyond that, if at all beyond that. Uh, and, and I suspect the next couple of years, maybe you'll see his time cut back at catcher and they move him around a lot more. All righty. Well, and uh, enjoy a little uh, time up there in the uh, beautiful uh, upstate New York area, sir. I appreciate it, Patrick. Great right. to talk with you. All right, Buster. Thank you. The great Buster only, ESPN and ESPN.com. Sports person of the day. Oh, my goodness. How can we forget we got to play the sound because I love this sound. Sports person of the day. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's person of the day. No! I did it! He deserves, Joe West deserves a suspension is what he does. He needs a rest. Well, he needs a rest. People pay to watch players play not to own parts and manage I don't see any people say, I want to see Ozzy Gibbs, Manager. I want to see Joe West, nobody. Oh, God bless you, Ozzy. Joe West, who, as you said, had an emotional all-star game last year. Yes. When he was going to, in everybody's, it looked appeared, appeared he was going to step away. Well, uh, Joe, October 31st, 1952, so what's that, 67? 65, 65, yep. uh, is uh, today be umpired at a Target Field, his 5,164th Major League game. And that, they only count regular season. They don't count postseason. Mm -hmm. That made him number two all time. Uh, broke a tie with uh, fat little Bruce Fremming, who was uh, umpire there for a hundred years. One time, a fantastic plate umpire, but uh, kind of. And Joe's usually a fairly good plate umpire. Although last night the Pirates wanted to drag him through the uh, the Pirates <laughs> ripped the hell out of him. And did you see those quotes? And the, oh, yeah. the Pirates all ripped him in the game afterwards, and they <laughs> took the bat out of their hand. And of course, the trouble with Joe is he's not a bad ball and strike umpire. But the more you complain. The, more the worse he gets. He's, he's yeah. the old-time guy. He's going to put the screws to you. That's the yep. way they used to do it. Without, you know, without the computer, that everybody used to do that. Okay, you want to you, you you bitch at me? Uh, wait till next time. And that sound, uh, that, and, Ozzie, uh, yeah. that, that Ozzie Gian sound was from the Mark Burley thing like eight years ago in Cleveland mm -hmm. where he threw Mark Burley, Joe West threw Mark Burley out of the game. Mm -hmm. And Mark Burley... Never gets thrown out mm -hmm. of games. Like we never hear about him going at it with umpires. And, and guys Joe like West Joe threw him out. and guys like Joe West don't want Mark Burley thrown out of the game because no, he pitches he, fast. Get him right. in a barn two hours. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Everything considered, I don't think he's a terrible umpire. But he makes himself such a spectacle that a lot of people. I saw some people ripping him on uh, Twitter last night. Uh, I'd rather have him than Phil Cuzzy. Oh, God, yes. yes. You know, hey, no question. I'd rather have Leland than Phil Cuzzy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Leland, your son, not yes. Jim Leland. Uh, well, uh, Joe uh, grew up in, uh, Green, in Greenville, North Carolina, and he played football at East Carolina. 
and Elon. He entered the National League uh, as an umpire in 1976. He joined the staff full-time in 78. And uh, as a young umpire, West worked Nolan Ryan's fifth no-hitter, was on the field for McCovey's 500th home run, and involved, I can't remember this, was involved in a 1983 pushing incident with manager Joe Torrey. I don't remember that yeah, at all. Joe had to be with, well, the, with Braves. the Braves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I, so I don't Joe, remember that Joe pushed him, or he yeah. pushed Joe. A few years later, uh, West was the home plate umpire during a playoff game in which uh, Jay Howell was ejected for having pine tar in his glove. I remember okay. that one. Yeah. In 1990, he threw pitcher Dennis Cook to the ground while attempting to break up a fight. He got a lot of abuse about that one mm. too. West resigned during the 1999 Major League umpires. Uh, the the mass resignation, so he was out uh, for three years. Remember the dummies? They uh, they they resigned because they couldn't be replaced. And then in two thousand two, uh, he was brought back in. So a lot of them came back. Patrick, um, turn around really yeah. quick. Uh, as you can see, I found the clip of Skinny Joe West uh-huh. and Joe Torre, manager of okay. the then Atlanta, then the manager of the Atlanta Braves, going at it. Yeah. Let's just say, after some significant editing, this will become the next great okay. manager umpire feud that we'll. It's going to take some editing. It's going to take some surgery, but this <laughs> who, uh, is fantastic. Who uh, was issuing the great, the so, greater number of profanities? Ooh, it's a neck and neck. It's even. It's, it's neck a push. and neck. Yeah, it's pretty well, it's good. It's kind of interesting that Joe has been in charge of. Uh, uh, a major league discipline. And uh, when you get a run in with an umpire, I'll so, give you the one great line though. Tori says, "We're in a bleeping pennant race. You're going to call that bleep?" And Joe says, "Who are you kidding?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You ain't in a pennant race." Oh, oh God, that's great. Yeah, that was back in the days when the umpires could give them a lot more. Oh, back. oh my yeah. gosh, we're in a bleeping yeah. pennant so race. Who how, are you kidding? <laughs> so how far is Joe behind number one? Ah, uh, well, that's the frightening thing. Bill Clem is 5,375, so you work, they take, what, a guy like Joe gets six weeks vacation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So he works uh, 130 games a year, so he ends up this year, he'll be about... Maybe he'd have to come back two years, I think, to get there, but unless he told him I'm not taking my vacation, but... I gotta think deep in his head. He's probably thinking he wants to do it, don't you? Because well, he came yeah. back this year. If you're this close, if you you're might this as close, well do why it not? for two yeah. more years. And yeah, but he might. They might run him out too. He might. They might not. They, they're trying to get rid of some of those older guys. Yeah, but they got some dummies out there, man. I wonder what that's like. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Yeah, I couldn't. I, yeah. I couldn't help it. Fielding, uh, Culbreth is still doing it too. I mean, he's he's. He, he's been at it for a thousand years, yeah. and um, uh, who, who's that? That chubby Larry Young. He's still around. Man, they got some long guys yeah. like that. So, anyway, Joe West. Hey, uh, hey, Joe. congratulations. Joe likes prizes. Likes uh, to be honored. Oh. sports person of the day. Yeah, absolutely, Joe West, country Joe West. This is the ride with Royce. This shows if you go in with minimal expectations, everything can be fine. <laughs> right, that's the key. Well, Keep the expectations low. Yeah. Lower your standards. Oh, look at that. <laughs> On fifteen hundred. ESPN. This portion of the Ride with Royce today is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Harbor and Garden Stores. Proud sponsors of the beer show Thursday nights. Yeah, hold on. On oh, fifteen hundred yeah. ESPN. 
Thanks for picking up that phone, Kenny. Appreciate it. Kenny, there was only one guy who thought of you when they were serving lunch out there. Thank you, let sir. You, let you a big plate. Yeah. Did you get into those yes. beans? Uh, no, I don't do beans, but that oh. roast beef sandwich, my goodness. That's not true. I thought of Kenny today when I wondered where is he when he's hiding from Don Shelby earlier today. <laughs> right. yeah. I had a meeting. That's okay. I, I had busy. a meeting. Yeah. Uh, here is John Height with new preserving. information on the uh, Viking scrimmage. I was preserving my dignity. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Uh, the Twins won today 6-4. What to four. you have? The Twins will now play a four-game weekend series against the Tigers down at Target Field. The Tigers, speaking of them, lost today to the White Sox, a six-to-five final. The Cubs beat Milwaukee eight-to-four, and Seattle and Oakland. It's uh, it's one of those games. It's zip zip in the twelfth inning. Actually, two to nothing right now. Seattle is up. Johnny, sorry, in Atta the twelfth inning. What must uh, hold it, what huh? does OTR mean? On the road. Joe is worried that they would let him come back. Okay. LaBelle just sent me a text. I have no idea what it means. O-T-R. I think he might have been sending it to somebody else. Mm, oh. Maybe he had a companion. I am on the ready. A, I'm an on the road. I don't know. On the ready. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, on the ready, that could be it. The Vikings. It means the same thing. Right. <laughs> Vikings are practicing with Jacksonville the next two days. And Coach Mike Zimmer says they've had meetings and talks between players and coaches of both teams because they don't want any fights, as has happened. And they haven't had any, according to our report from Collar. That's correct, and he wants to keep it that way because in the past uh, there's been issues with teams that practice together. Uh, Jacksonville, Coach Marone and, and myself and, and the rest of our team, we just really we really don't want to end up being on TV like some of these other things have been going on. We just want to get out here and get some work done and uh, try to get each each of us better. Doesn't our guy Collar consider Marone to be the dumbest coach yes. he ever yeah, encountered in his so. entire he career? Is, uh, yeah. From his days from coaching his days with the Buffalo. Buffalo yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Kenny and I, on as our swan song, we're going to have a joint practice after the show today. <laughs> <laughs> the you in? Practice. Yeah, yeah, practice. I don't think, yeah. Speaking of. I wish I could smoke dope. I <laughs> That's actually that's actually where I was thinking too. Oh, that's what I thought he meant. Well, that's, no, that's right. totally what I meant. Oh, yeah. I tried it. I can't do it. I wish I could smoke dope. That's why Col- that's why Colorado is your state. Yes. Edibles, Patrick. Yeah, but, oh, you can edibles. eat. That's you can right. Eat it. Yeah. There you go. I had a friend of mine who lived in California who sent me some, but I think I lost him. What? what? God, the animals? Animals. You, you, you know what? Them? I don't know where they went. You would make a bad drug dealer. <laughs> I had your stuff. I <laughs> lost it. I hope you didn't put them out in a bowl when the kids came over. <laughs> <laughs> Trick or treat, you little bastard. They were over a few months ago <laughs> acting a little squirrely. Who knows? <laughs> Those aren't regular gummy bears. Stay away from them. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I was in, uh, when I uh, did my uh, time at St. Mary's way back when. Uh-huh. They have groups there. They have, you know, you get put in with a group and you go through the whole process with eight, nine, ten people. And a lot of the guys it wasn't. It was an old guy named Art, and Art used to love to drink out in the garage. Apparently, and uh, who doesn't? And uh, <laughs> Art's wife, unfortunately, had passed away from cancer. Oh no! Uh, like a month before he went into treatment, and he was one day he was telling in group that. Uh, she had 98, she had a, 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 a prescription for 100 painkillers. Wow. Yeah. Potent, I don't know what was yeah. potent back then. And there were still 90-some left oh. when uh, when uh, she died. 
And they so there's like two street druggies in with our place. Well, what'd you do with them, Mark? Yeah. They said, oh, I gave them back to the doctor. He said, Art, what no. the hell is the matter with you? Jeez. People are so dumb. They wanted to beat him up. Yeah. They wow. went, we could have sold them for your art and split the profits. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Jags, uh, Jalen Ramsey gave yes. a highly candid interview about some of the quarterbacks in the league. Okay. Among his notable opinions, Josh Allen is trash. Oh. Matt Ryan is overrated. This is just now why he's down there on his suspension? Yeah, yeah well, it's in a new issue of, uh, I forget, GQ, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those magazines. Uh, so well, it's from weeks ago, but now it's hitting the newsstand as he's yeah. been suspended for a week. He says Ben Roethlisberger ain't all that because his receivers go get the ball for him. Mm-hmm. He says Boy. Russell Wilson's good, a really good leader. He said Joe Flacco sucks. <laughs> Man. He says Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady do not suck, so uh-huh. I guess that means they're good. Uh-huh. He did say good things about Kirk Cousins. Really? He said, I think he's good. I think he's a winner. He's a hell of a competitor. Coming off the play action, he's the best quarterback in the league. Play action passing, he's a hell of a quarterback. So my All question right. for Jalen is this. What does he think of his own quarterback, <laughs> yeah, Blake right. Bortles? Yeah. I mean, he's calling Flacco uh-huh. trash and mm-hmm. saying that you know all these other guys suck and all this other stuff. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. his I, guy is... Uh, the one that surprised mm-hmm. me was he did say Tyrod Taylor he thought was a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> and he was at Tyrod's <laughs> playoff game last year. Yeah. Because they played yeah, Jacksonville. Right. You're right. But, but well, you know, this kid This kid is Richard Sherman 2.0. Uh-huh. Yeah. You so know, he's going to talk a lot, but he's really good. So he's going to back it up. we're going to get sick of him in about six months. Could you guys do me a favor and start calling yeah. me Tyrod Olsen? <laughs> Tyrod Olsen. <laughs> Tyrod. God, I love that. I love that name. That's so awesome. <laughs> Tyrod. We, we probably should move along here, Patrick's old Tyrod. Yeah. Tyrod, Tyrod got to do his traffic. Wait, now you came up with a clever traffic name? <laughs> Tyrod. <laughs> it's Tyrod to you, fella. Too late. Too late. We'll old be back. Man Tyrod. Go ahead, Johnny. Get out of here. <laughs> Head back to wherever the hell you are. <laughs> Sitting shotgun on the ride with Roycey. All Just I gotta do is get it home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. Jess Myers here for the Great Outdoor Show uh, at uh, 6 o'clock uh, with uh, Dennis Anderson. And uh little puck talk. I've been... In, the the wild are really trying to be nice to this uh, women's hockey team, the Whitecaps. They're Minnesota using, Whitecaps, yeah. They're using their uh, facility, the Tria, or Tria, right? Tria no. Rink in uh, Tria downtown St. Paul. Upstairs on top. I, I it's got a there. Tim Hortons in it, so it's you, it's oh, a real really? hockey rink. I no. gotta get up there uh, and, and look at it because that's a great location on oh, the yeah. top of the yeah. old uh, whatever the hell Macy's. It was Dayton's or Macy's, Macy's or whatever it was, it was. Dayton's yeah. for years, and, and they, you know, and it sat empty for years. The city of yeah. St. Paul wanted to do something with it, and Chris Coleman, you know, delighted. When they found but the, on opening day of the Wild, we, this story came out a few days ago, they were going to have a 4 o'clock Whitecaps first ever game, right? Right. And then the Wild opened that same night. How about that weekend? You've got that going on. They've got that doubleheader. Yeah. And then, I think it's the same night, Gophers in Duluth and UMD is going to raise the national championship banner. So that's uh, going to be... That's a Friday, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a Friday. Yeah. So that that's the Friday down here too. Yeah. The Wild they don't play on Fridays. They uh, play on Friday. I I think it's the same weekend. So well, yeah. it might be the same weekend. Yeah, or... but you know, talk about a, a way to kick off the hockey season on a couple levels. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I might go up to Duluth for that one. That might be fun. I mean, it would be fun. I yeah, was up the last time. I was up the last time they hung the banner in 2011. I guess it would have been fall of 2011. They played Notre Dame, and then ironically, they wound up playing Notre Dame for the championship. And, okay, year. the hockey playoffs. Uh, we got what? Still got 60 schools. 61, something 60, like correct. 60 schools. 
Illinois Any? will be number 61. Mark my words. Okay. Well, I gotta, somebody's got to write out the big check, but have yep, they found yep. anybody yet? Well, they found an arena. They're, they're going to yeah. build an arena in downtown Champaign with about 6,000 seats. And that's going to be their convention center yep. type of thing? Yeah, one of those urban revitalization mm-hmm. things kind of thing. So, anyway. uh, but but any talk of expanding the number of uh, teams in the field? Or are they going to stick with sixty? They're they're going to stick with sixty for now. But again, sixty? No, no, sixteen. I said, oh, they, oh, oh, sixteen. In the NCAA tournament because I, with these with these second rate conferences, there isn't a lot of room left for right, uh, right. decent teams. You know? Yeah, and you know, and the fact that Minnesota missed out by point zero zero one percent. Our friend Tom McGinnis over there. I you know I was talking to him for a different story and said, you know, some people say this is all just Minnesota posturing because they didn't make the NCAA tournament. His line was, if we would have gotten another half inch of snow, I'm pretty sure we would have gotten into the tournament somehow. <laughs> the, the, the formula was so convoluted that kept yeah, them out. But, but uh, so the Gophers have been complaining about it? I don't think that they've been complaining the fans about it. You know, the fans are complaining about it, obviously. But, but I mean, you could make it 24 easy and have eight buys right? sure sure yeah. they you know and they did that at one point they had the 12 team 12 team tournament the, mm-hmm. you know and that meant four teams had to win one game to get to the frozen four and it wasn't always that easy for for some of them so are the uh, Gophers supposed to be good they're supposed to be pretty good yeah well, i mean, they, I mean you know, not many of the guys went pro right no i mean they lost casey middlestead that yeah. was that yeah. was the big loss but uh you know they've got some goaltending coming back and and uh their new coach has been able to g- grab a couple of kids who were bound for St. Cloud State and steer them over mm-hmm. to the U. So and that'll make a difference. Now he seems to be uh, fully willing to uh, get the non-junior too if yeah. he's really good. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they got what some seventeen-year-olds. There, they he's he's still willing to bring guys in right away. And then, of course, they had the coaching change over there already. Scott Bell has left the staff. He's yeah, gonna what's be that a, about? You know? He's going to be a full-time scout. Uh, you know, in in talking to him, and I think it was pretty publicly out there. Uh, Moscow said, you know, we'll we'll fulfill your contract for. This remaining year, but we but can't no guarantee can't guarantee you a job beyond that. And you know, Bell smartly took the job with Toronto as a scout. Uh, he's proven he's a pretty good scout. He's with Pittsburgh, so, won a couple cups. You don't there. have that many coaches in hockey, so who's has he hired his other? Hasn't hired yet. yet. Uh, the one name I've heard is Ben Gordon, former player oh, yeah. who's who's friends with the, you know some of the guys on staff there. And it'd be good to have a, an ex Gopher on the staff because they don't have that right now. And, uh, well, I don't know that much about it, but I'm not surprised that uh, Bell and he would part ways because Bell was uh, pushing hard to get the job. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's uh, not a hell of a lot of different than not bringing Gensel you know, <laughs> that's, that's the other thing, You got a guy who didn't get the job on your staff. So. I got to tell good news for Colorado College, by the way. You've asked, what? Me, you've asked uh, me about them. I'm worried about their future. You, you've been worried about them for a long time. They're getting their own rink, right? They're getting their own rink. 3,000 seats. How about that? Uh, like, literally less than half the size of the arena they were playing in but That's smaller than Bemidji for yep, that it is smaller than Bemidji but here's the deal they're going to control the rink they're going to own it it's going to be on campus they're going to get all the parking all the concessions all the ancillary stuff they were getting basically none of that from the city of Colorado Springs so financially it will be a better deal for them even though they've got half as many seats to sell when are they going to win some games who's they're, out there who's I, coaching now uh, they brought an east coast guy in which was controversial because you know you think a guy like that does he know can he recruit this area but that's the way they want to play it they want to play it like an Ivy League team uh well that's uh some east coaster so they want to play Wide they, open, they, up they, and down they want to go hockey. recruit those prep school guys from the east and really? get them to come out to Colorado. Well, I mean, at those prices, uh, it's the most expensive college in the league. Oh yeah, right? it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's like it's, it's sixty grand, sixty something. something thousand. Yeah. I like the way they do school though. Mike ha- do, Mike Haviland is the guy's name. You do a month, right? 
You, you do a, you, you have one, one class, class, one class for, for three weeks. For three weeks, yeah. and you do another one for and three as, weeks. And yeah. as Jeff Sauer, who was a proud graduate of that school, said, the great thing about that system, it's almost impossible to flunk out so yes. they can recruit anybody they want. Well, the good thing about it is you don't have to clutter your mind. Right. You can just worry about one thing. Yeah. So, right? so one class for like three and a half weeks yes. at a time. And then if it's a really big class, you'll have one class for like six weeks at a time. Yeah. yeah it's a great system. But, uh, but it, there's a couple of colleges that do that. It's a, They're very proud of themselves. So. I don't have the attention span for that. I need the clutter. But uh, We're going uh, to let Jess have a great honor here, gentlemen. We're going to have daily complaints you and we'll let Jess have a, da- yes, have a daily complaint. Do you need more time for your daily complaint? We can go around the room. Give me a second. I'll come up with okay, something. Okay. Well, I'll have those two guys give you a daily complaint. Manny, uh, go ahead. Uh, Manny Hill, what is your daily complaint? My daily complaint is with Bobby Wilson, and I'll explain why. Okay. What? Bear with me. Here. Yes, yeah. Let him. Let he him. has two home Don't runs Don't say this what year. before he said what his complaint is. He had a big home run today. <laughs> he, well, he that's partially my complaint. Year. He has two home runs this year. I have seen them both. The first time, the first home run he hit this year, I was actually in attendance mm-hmm. at Target Field, and I saw him hit it, and everything was against the Indians earlier this season. My complaint with him is that was like three months ago. <laughs> It was three months ago. Well, and he I, hit a home run today. And I'm other, thinking, okay, he crushed that ball, and then it said Bobby Wilson second home run of the year. And I'm like, he hasn't hit another home run since the first one I saw him uh, hit this you, season. You know, when it was guys, three months ago, when guys like that are terrible as far as hitting are concerned. I don't pay much attention. But the other day, I happened to be looking at the box score, and I like said, "What's he hitting?" He was hitting 156. That ain't good. <laughs> no. Even for a backup catcher, that's not. T- even Kelly wouldn't take a guy hitting 156. Hey, by I the way, happy he- birthday to Tom Kelly. Is that right? 68 yeah, that's today. Right. Wow. Twins man. Almanac had a cool tweet that I that retweeted. That is uh, good for him. I'm, I'm sure he and celebrated he- with a fine round of golf. And he, and he's uh, probably. Uh, I'm going out to cut grass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the neighbor's grass. Too. <laughs> right. That's good. Well, uh, shucks. I should, that, he should have been our sports person of the day. I didn't know yeah. it was his birthday. Uh, I'm going to stick with baseball for my daily complaint. And looking at the standings, I love the grand old game. But the competitive imbalance in baseball is really, it's it's embarrassing at this point. It the Red Sox always been thus. But I don't think it's as drastic as it's been this year. Because but you, it's not. Look at the National League's fine. And the American League, you're going to end up with something of a race. Here's the problem. For a thousand years, you played at each team. You played two leagues, and you know there were you had eight teams, then you had ten teams, right? Mm-hmm. Because of this division, putting five teams in the playoffs, in we look more at the imbalance of where the people. We used to have teams routinely finish forty five games out of first place but, with the Yankees. Okay, were but the back division. then you didn't have five teams at the start of the season deliberately trying to be bad no, to get the number well, one. Well see that's the worst thing about having putting five teams in the playoffs. There's a reason now to bag it because you can then maybe a couple of years later sneak into the bottom half of the playoffs. There was no sense in bagging it when you had ten teams because you still had to beat the Yankees. All right. Okay. I I you know, let's. The NBA has n- never been more competitively imbalanced and never been more popular. That's true, right? <laughs> but baseball, true. but baseball doesn't have that luxury as far as the popularity of the sport that that NBA, that the NBA does. Well, you know, you wrote off your Cardinals. 
two, three weeks ago, That's you were true. bad-mouthing them. That's now true. they're a game out. Yep. So, I don't know. Do you have a daily complaint? Okay, speaking of Jess the... Jess Myers, daily, first ever daily complaint. Speaking of the popularity of baseball, the fastest-growing sport in Minnesota and probably the nation is lacrosse. My kids oh, have both played this game. Oh, you're going to give us that again. Okay, okay here's my daily complaint. Major League <laughs> Lacrosse, how have you not already announced you're going to have a team playing in Egan at that fantastic stadium that they've got for the Vikings? Uh, my friend Lester Bagby tells me they've reached out to a few leagues about... Becoming a tenant there? Oh, as an outdoor game, not an indoor game. As an outdoor game. I didn't, Major, Major League, lacrosse. League Lacrosse was the one that that's was the one. They, they played indoors. They moved to Georgia. Don't, don't okay. worry about that. Well, that well, that's but not, what is the league that you want to get in? Major called? League Lacrosse, which has, I think, about a dozen teams there in Long okay. Island. They're in Denver. They're, yeah, throughout the country, they've played exhibition games in Blaine. Put a team here. That's my daily complaint. Yeah. And, and get it my done My daily soon. complaint about lacrosse is I've never seen a ball yet. Uh, it's, 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 Moves it's, too fast for you? Where, where is it? Not. Where it's, is the ball? <laughs> you see the motion, but you can't see the ball. Hell yeah. If ever happens. a ball needed that tail like they had on the puck. Oh, for, the, the fox the, track. The, the yeah. fox track. Uh, what's my daily complaint? I don't, I don't know what I'm upset about. You're in such a great mood today. I know what it is. Beans. It cost you a shirt today. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to laundry that baby up. I hope I got enough shout. But, can you, shout to but spray the beans on. were so good. Can you really complain <laughs> about the true. beans? Oh, they even were though good you beans. Some on oh, your shirt. God, those beans were good. They, they were, were really they good. They were fantastic. Yeah. I I guess my daily complaint is America. You, the youth of America would now go to Blazing Saddles and be offended. Right? Okay. They would go and be yeah, offended. That's true. And say, you can't do that. You can't say this. You can't have this. Instead of just laughing your arse off and putting it in a box. <laughs> Things know? that wouldn't make it in 2018. <laughs> Blazing Saddles and Top your five. girls' basketball column from the no, early 80s. No, that, uh, that, uh, that, not. If it had come five years later, it would have been all over. We wouldn't have had to worry about I would have never had to worry about getting fired on radio. No. <laughs> it would have happened long. Because you would have been working with, what was the guy's name on the dockyard from yesterday? No, no, no. Dale was the guy working at the uh, truck. I, I never worked on the docks. I'd worked That's upstairs true. The truck, in the office. In the truck uh, I company. I put the price on tickets. Dale was the embezzler. You would have been calling, <laughs> Dale, I need a job. <laughs> Uh, I actually texted my ex-wife about that and said, you remember Dale? And she said, uh, I've always looked for him on those crime stories, you know, those, those true crime stories. She said, I always thought Dale might end up on true, oh, true God. crime stories. So she knew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Dale had more money than a guy should have had, but what the hell. Quick, quick clarification. Gophers, yeah. Bulldogs, banner raising in Duluth on a Saturday. Season starts on a Saturday, not on a Friday. Thank year. God we so got to that. it's the same night the Wilds start? It's the same night the Wilds start. What the hell is wrong with hockey? Where's Sid? Sid is always <laughs> complaining about the Wolves Sid will tell you wild. what's wrong with hockey. The Wolves and the Wild beating up. Well, he can't see know, the puck either. Here's the thing with Sid. I wonder if he's finally conceded that people will come to St. Paul for a hockey game because... Five years of sellout, Sid was still saying, that's going to die out. They're going to they're gonna regret not playing at Target Center. So, All righty, gentlemen, we will do it tomorrow. And this, guess what we're going to have tomorrow? What's that? A schedule. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I am looking forward to that.